Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. This is Band from Ringside. Tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast, the Triple H era seems to have officially begun. CM Punk is back. We got your G1. We have five nights of reviews for G1. Ric Flair says that might not have been his last match. That and a whole bunch more tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast. He did say that. Oh, I know he said it. I say a lot of things, too. Bunch of shit I don't mean. Ditch that nine to five. It's time to feel alive. Hello, Marks. And welcome to the Man from Ringside podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bill Vagie, a.k.a. Squash Brolin. And sitting <laughs> directly across from me, we have Jason Cornelius Bell. What's going on, JCB? <laughs> that's great. I wish I could have a creative mind like that shit, man. Come up with shit that's, you know, so related and uh, on point and on topic, all that good shit. That was mine. That was mine. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it was good. <laughs> All the same. You know what I'm saying? Not even taking away the uh, the props on that shit. Same thing applies. And on that lovely note, I will ask the congregation to bow their heads as I read from the latest edition of the Band from Ringside podcast, volume 269, chapter 3, verse 14. And the good smirk say it. Hashtag boo the heels. It's all good, baby. Listen, share, subscribe, repeat the holy trinity of BFR. I think I am the first of the three of us to have uh, a little G1 fatigue. Sleep deprivation has officially kicked in for your boy. I've been up since six for the last two or three days trying to keep up with the G1 so that way I don't fall behind. Like Bill said, five shows in six days. Hard to keep up, but damn it, I did it and we're here. And out there in Portland, Oregon, making his triumphant return is Two Beers, Zach Bowen. What's going on, Two Beers? Don't call it a comeback! <laughs> Man, I am just uh, trying to keep up with everything. Uh, ton of visitors and ton of work, and my parents are coming in next weekend. So, speaking of Josh Brolin, we'll be going to uh, Cannon Beach and maybe Astoria. That's where they film the Goonies. Hunky uh, huh. young Josh Brolin. How about uh, that? Where did they film the Goonies at? Astoria. And uh, Keenan Beach for like the Haystack Rocks and stuff. So. Man, I remember yeah, that I movie that. came out. My sister was in love with Josh Brolin back in the 80s. We are coming at you from steamy St. Charles, Missouri. It's not as bad as it's been recently. Uh, it is my beautiful wife's birthday today. She is uh, working right now. You guys thought I was going to tell you how old she was. I wasn't, but she is working right now. Um, but she's not closing, so we're going to try to keep this week under four hours. Listen, uh, I was listening to some podcasts this week, some wrestling podcasts, and I realized that most of them are kind of, uh, you know, you got some WWE podcasts, you got some folks that focus on AEW pretty hard, and then there's one that I can think of that's all NJPW but I like to think of us as your one-stop shop for all three of those promotions and maybe some GCW, maybe some TNA, things like that, throwing in odds and ends. So if you'll stop by iTunes, give us five stars. Uh, we're going to try – I had this idea. I haven't talked to the boys about it, but we might need to start putting some markers in the descriptions of our podcasts about when we talk about what because – on weeks, sometimes when we start talking about the G1, I know there's some people that don't give a flying fuck about the G1 and probably want to know, hey, what to what point do I have to skip ahead 
to get to the shit that I want to listen to. And I, I get that because as a podcast listener, I agree with you sometimes. So just off the top, I'd like to say that we're going to have some conversations about doing some stuff like that or put it on social media just so that people know uh, where to go to because you hate to be driving and looking down at your phone and trying to skip around while you got your aux cord plugged into your phone to try to skip around because you don't want to hear uh, me do 20 minutes on Usuro, which I might do tonight. Uh, but without further ado, let's get to that three count. One, two, uh, 20 minutes on Usuro, that's, yeah, that's a filibuster for your ass. <laughs> JCB, kick us off. Um, shit. Your call. I know. Dealer's I know, choice. I know. Um. Well, since he, he wasn't here the last couple weeks and we kind of ran down SummerSlam without him and he was probably, he said on our text thread that he was surprised that he was the only one that was going to defend the WWE. So let's start Let's start off with the WWE, all things WWE, nothing in particular, but basically focusing on the Triple H uh, regime, the new era, things are clearly different than they were, say, Two weeks ago, I think some of the big key points, obviously, guys coming back. Kieran Cross has come back on SmackDown. He attacked uh, Drew McIntyre. You had uh, Dexter Loomis on Monday night uh, making an appearance at the very end. Not sure if he was going to att- attack AJ Styles, but there was a running storyline with a car accident at the start of the show and then various characters going past that car accident or whatever the case may be. So that was a running, its own running storyline around other things that were. Ciampa treated like a huge deal in his Harley race uh, robe and shit. And, like, I, and I had people saying, you know, oh, Ciampa's going to win. Ciampa's going to win. I was like, uh, I don't know. I mean, it sounds good. It's set up right. But I wasn't sure that there was the, the slam dunk victory that other people thought. Obviously, he lost some of the scuttlebutt. The rumor that I'm hearing is that Johnny Gargano has signed with the WWE. Obviously, like I said, this is a total rumor, so just let's play this conspiracy theory out for 30 seconds. Johnny Gargano signed Monday night. They were going to give Ciampa the title, but then changed their mind upon Gargano signing. DIY was mentioned a couple of times in that Ciampa, uh, Bobby Lashley, uh, U.S. title match with the Gargano escape and DIY, DIY references. Um, I'm not saying it's happening anytime soon. I would be surprised if it doesn't happen. I think Gargano would be almost foolish if he left WWE. I'll leave that to the other guys to, to talk about. Other things that I kind of think that were... I guess obvious that Triple H is in charge. The 24-7 title has kind of slid into the background while the, you know, the U.S. title has kind of made up forefront. The women's tag team tournament is coming back. I wasn't even sure if they were going to have a tag team tournament for the uh, title belts. Now they've at least got brackets, and they have that going. Um, from there, I was going to say Ricochet, uh, the surprise victory for Ricochet on Friday night. Usually when I see Ricochet, I start shaking my head because I'm thinking to myself, okay, how's this Joker going to lose this week? He ends up winning. So there's a lot of things that I can say that Triple H has kind of put his stamp on early. To me, one of the big ones is 
is bringing people back that we didn't think we'd see for a while. Bailey, EO, Dakota Kai. Now you got Cross, Johnny Gargano possibly on the on-deck circle. I'll just say this, and I was thinking about this the other day, and I'm just going to use a name that's not WWE-related and just throw it out there and let you guys take it from here. MJF has been AWOL for quite some time, and we made a comment on this pod when Vince was in charge that there was no way in hell, excuse my uh, pun there, but there was no way in hell that MJF would come over as long as Vince is in charge. Vince ain't in charge anymore. I think as days progress, MJF to the WWE becomes a little more and more realistic. Two beer, uh, before you comment on, well, uh, you know, I'll let you choose. Uh, what do you want to comment on first? Do you want to give your late SummerSlam thoughts? I know it seems like a really long time ago, but you were, like Jason said, you did mention to us on our thread that you were going to be the lone defender of it. So, or you can talk about, or you can react to what Jason just said. Uh, real quick regarding SummerSlam, since it was a while ago. Uh, I thought it was like a B-plus show. I turned it on, not really expecting much. Didn't have any kind of preconceived notions about it. It was just happened. I happened to be home. My TV was right there. I was chilling, and I put it on, and I had a fucking great time. <laughs> like, I just, it was really good. Uh, not everything was a slam dunk, uh, and some of the finishes were not what I thought they should have been, but like overall, the show was just really fun. Um, so yeah, I just thought I was listening to you guys last week, kind of like uh, Edna May uh, on the outside looking in, you know, banging on that glass, <laughs> With trying the stick. to trying to get, yeah, trying to get into the party. But um, I was like, oh man, was like, it was harsh on the SummerSlam. But uh, but yeah, um, as far as uh, MJF at all, um, you know, migrating to WWE, uh, I think just in the last couple weeks, uh, there's a lot of people who are much more likely to either go back to WWE or to go there for the first time um, that have become stars in AEW or Japan or elsewhere. Um, Except I don't know that MJF is one. Um, You know, I I think this whole thing is definitely a pretty hardcore work. And, you know, I saw something somebody reported like he'd pretty much like cut off ties and hadn't talked to anybody in the locker room uh, for yeah, since he had dropped off the face of the earth, and he just seems like that level of worker to where he was, just, he would like try to work everybody. Um, but that's just me. I don't know. Um, just from my interactions with him, and the fact that he never breaks character, it seems like, especially if there's a camera on him. Uh, but there are guys like, you know, say your Miro's of the world, your Gargano. Like, dude, you know, when Gargano left NXT, I'm like, Oh man, he's gonna have his baby. He's gonna go at AEW. He's gonna have five star matches with Kenny Omega. It's gonna be amazing. Now, like without Vince having the preconceived notions that small guys can't main event, like Gargano could main event WrestleMania. You know what I mean? Like that could actually happen. Uh, he's that level of worker. Um, and you know, Hunter obviously understands how great he is. Uh, so you know feel like that like Candice LeRae another one that I thought if she's coming back to wrestle she's probably not going to stick around in this in this system uh, but dude with Hunter in charge uh, it, it really changes a lot so you know overall the shows are better uh, they're still 
you know, it's, it's kind of a glacial change, but there was, there are marks of hunter and marks of improvement. There's wrestling, there's longer wrestling, like Jason said, there's a lack of a 24-7 title. Um, there's a focus on women's wrestling. There, um, There's just a lot of positives, and I think things are going to continue to get better. Uh, I mean, Killer Cross ain't, you know, knocking my socks off, but at the same time, you know, Roman needs challengers. They're obviously putting him in, like, kind of a, a, a major, more major role. Uh, Dexter Loomis ain't doing it for me either, but it's just the idea that those guys are being given another opportunity, even, like, Max Dupree is back on TV and shit like that. Like, none of these are, like, over-the-top awesome examples, but it's fresh, it's new, we're getting... We're getting some new stuff. It's not stale, and that that's cool. So I mean, I'll I'll keep watching. I don't have time to watch all five fucking hours of the ship, but I'll, I'll keep <laughs> keeping up with this. And yeah, the three in. three hours is still just a fucking slog, and I don't think Triple H can have any control over that. I mean, I didn't think the last two weeks have been that bad. Um, it's still one- three hours, but it's it's at least. Like, okay, okay, it, this makes sense. Okay, all right. There's one name that you guys didn't say that has missed the last two weeks of TV, and that's Austin, Austin Theory. Theory has not been on TV. Death in the family. Oh, is that true? I mean, because, okay, all right. Uh, even if it wasn't a death in the family, like, it's nice to get a little break, you know, because he was, it was really his show for a few weeks there in a the row. The week like, after uh, the day, I guess that was the Monday after SummerSlam, it was like Austin Theory, Austin Theory, Austin Theory. Austin yeah, he Theory. was like on. He was like on three consecutive, consecutive segments. segments and I was two just consecutive like, matches. Jesus Christ, God bless. But yeah, uh, you know, last week I was a little reticent to say that uh, that there were any huge changes. I think that Carrying Cross and Dexter Loomis showing back up is those are two guys that would not have gotten a shot under Vince. I mean, fucking Sam Shaw, aka Dexter Loomis, was released. Killer Cross was a release. Now, Triple H was super high on Killer Cross, obviously, because he tried making Killer Cross a... Well, he was the champ for a long time, and I think that, you know, Adam Cole's promo on him that one time, the one one that uh, brother-in-law Steve always talks about, that was a killer... It was a killer promo, and it kind of killed Killer Cross. I mean, it was... It was... it, It basically said what all the NXT fans were thinking of him. Now... The NXT fans, when Killer Cross was champ, are not the same fans that are watching Raw every week. Now they might pay attention to Raw, but they're not the they're not the people that are watching Raw weren't necessarily watching NXT back then. There are still some people that are like, "Oh, everything's different. Oh, look how they're doing the camera different." It's like, okay, well, slow your roll. Like I know, like to like through the prism of if all you think about is is something different now with Triple H. You're going to see everything is different from Triple H. There are things that are not going to change. But it is a market improvement of uh, from on television from week to week. I mean, a couple weeks ago, right before SummerSlam, I think it was Triple H's first SmackDown, the first match was a 25-minute match between Sheamus and – the first segment was a 25-minute match between Sheamus and Drew McIntyre, commercial-free. That shit never happened with Vince. Um, so – we wanted to see everybody was all about how great NXT was, us three included. We were NXT marks. We did 
we used to do a segment on the show where we would just go back and watch old takeovers just so we could talk about it and just so we could hear ourselves talk about it if you ask my wife about it. But um, we we were marks for it, and Triple H was in charge there. And something that got brought up the other day that I really didn't think about is, like, now WWE creatively controlled is DX. I mean, it's Triple H on Raw, and Shawn Michaels is running NXT, or Triple H main roster, and Shawn Michaels is running NXT. Right. That is remarkable. I mean, it's 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 weird to think about. Mm, that was the word I was coming with. But it is... It is true. So, the last couple of weeks have felt different. Wrestling feels different. AEW, even Tony Khan has been quoted as saying, they're putting on good shows now. And if you're a wrestling fan, this is a great time to be a wrestling fan. And I agree. I Like, this is even better than when AEW started because Vince never acted like AEW was a problem. Triple H probably has more of a mindset of, less sports entertainment, more wrestling, and it seems like that we're, that's what we're getting. Tommaso Ciampa was treated like a big deal. They talked about his NXT title runs. Uh, Corey Graves did a great job during that match of putting him over, talking about his old title runs, talking about DIY. Uh, he was not presented. It was never. He was never presented like somebody who wasn't a physical problem for the almighty Bobby Lashley, who I have uh, given flowers to for the last couple months because he's been doing tremendous work. That was a fucking awesome match. It was worth the wait. It Um, it was really cool, and the near falls were believable, and he was treated like a big deal. Like I said, that Harley race robe, that is not not something that Vince would have done. No Um, way. So... I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to SmackDown this week. I'm looking forward to Raw next week. I'm certainly looking forward to Dynamite next week because we'll get to that uh, probably right now unless there's anything else that you guys want to talk about. It's just a, it's kind of a, at a wait and see right now, but there is no doubt that change is in the air. Change is in the air. Um, I will agree that it, it's always been a good time to be a wrestling fan because it, there, there's always something out there for you to enjoy whether you like WWE proper or you like myself, you like a little bit of everything, or you more like Bill, you like two things and maybe a sprinkle of things here and there. Whatever the case may be, there's something for everybody out there to enjoy. It's basically a smorgasbord of wrestling. Now, that being said... Are the two things that I like, Yano and Kevin Owens? Because Kevin Owens also... Woo! Uh, they were like, okay, you're going to squash the fuck out of Ezekiel. You're going to do the uh, powerbomb off the apron, which is... Basically, means that Kevin Owens is in Kevin Owens is in full heel mode. Like that is that's like his full heel move. Heel, heel mode move is when he power bombs somebody on the apron. I think that uh, Ezekiel will be gone as long as it takes to grow a beard, and then uh, <laughs> Elias <he'll> probably, returns. <laughs> and then Elias returns. But uh, I was very happy to see Kevin Owens. You know, it would have been better if he would have come off that Steve Austin thing just hot. But, I mean, he did get his ass beat by Steve Austin also. So And he had a back injury. So, I mean, you know, there's there's reasons why they do what they do. Uh, the Bianca Belair versus uh, Bailey uh, faction, 
it's really not supposed to be Alexa and Oscar on Bianca's side. It's really supposed to be Becky Lynch, and obviously Becky Lynch is out, so we're just making moves on the fly. And even that still kind of works. You know, it's not the the matchup that Triple H wants, but he's manipulated to the point where now, okay, we got a six woman tag over in uh over at Clash in the Castle. Bailey and company versus Bianca, Asuka, and Alexa. Okay, that's cool. It w- under normal circumstances, that six-woman tag would have happened that night on Raw. Instead, we're going to build it up for three or four weeks and have a bigger, sh- uh, another good, co- yeah, another good, hopefully, card with this six-woman tag on that same card. So right there, to me, was a evidence where I was like, oh, okay, see, this is different. Under normal circumstances, we'd have had that match like that, and we'd have moved on. Now we're building up to it. Even if it means we're delaying sometimes so Becky can come back, or we're figuring out what we're going to do with Rhea Ripley in the title reign, because God knows she can't keep dragging down uh, all around the goddamn arena every damn week. You know, sooner or later, that's going to get old, too. Triple H has made his initial mark. Now I'm waiting for like, I guess, Survivor Series is the next big four pay-per-view. I want to see what he does there. I want to see what he does in Royal Rumble and things going forward. So, I mean, right now, we see the transition. I want to see more going forward. Any final thoughts on Survivor WWE? Series? Survivor Series, you mean the one time and the only time all year where the brands face each other? <laughs> Hey, if you bring oh if you bring NXT up like they did uh, two or three years ago, now you really got something going where you would no, have like the that. NXT. I Dude, that, I think I think that if you played it right, I think that would be really fun. There's a couple of them that are good, but uh, no, I will say last thoughts on this one. Good segue into the two count is uh, the buzz is with WWE, like you know AW this week was good. Um, it's been I don't want to say languishing because it's been like pretty good but like nobody's like talking about it nobody really kind of gives a shit whereas it's been like the buzz for like two years like oh what's AEW doing who's going to AEW uh, who's going to show up on AEW and now it's like all anybody's talking about is WWE um, it's interesting yeah okay that is a good segue let's get to that two count one two three two beer what's the two count so now that I say all oh, anybody's talking about is WWE, we're just going to talk about AEW. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but we can do a little bit different uh, just for the sake of brevity. Uh, we don't have to run down like the whole um, the whole thing. Is this because uh, I tease? But, is this because I made that tease last week when I teased you a little bit? No, I I did I did take the tease, but this is for because it's your wife's birthday. But. Uh, uh, I I took that in stride because uh, I didn't think I expound too too often, so okay. I'm comfortable in my level of exposition. <laughs> okay. <All right. laughs> no, but the, yeah, this is this is for your sake um, and your marriage. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> yes, uh, but strong yeah, as it ever right. was, which means it's hanging on by a thread. <laughs> thread. <laughs> uh, yeah, we had uh, the return of CM Punk. That's the big news, uh, but. I will say it was after uh, one of the best Dynamite matches in history. This was just a fantastic main event, pay-per-view level main event. I'd have paid 50 bucks to see this, and they put it on live TV. So we had AEW Interim World Champion John Moxley, because you know how much he loves to be called Interim Champion. Now you can just tell, uh, versus Chris Jericho, and not just any Chris Jericho, the Lionheart Chris Jericho. 
And I think I might be ready to say after last night that Chris Jericho is like American wrestler. Like he's the goat. He's the greatest. I'm just like, I haven't turned the corner on him because I've always thought he was great, but I always thought it was hyperbolic to talk about how great he was. This guy just absolutely rules. He had a total body transformation, like dropped weight, uh, you know, put his hair in the ponytail, came out to the different music, had his Lionheart mannerisms, had his Lionheart moveset, um, but also like a 52-year-old absolute veteran uh, working this match with John Moxley, who's also one of the greatest wrestlers in the world. Um, this was just a a true testament to what a performer this dude is. Uh, I couldn't believe it. I was flabbergasted. Um, what did you What did you guys think? Totally agree. I thought the match was incredible. I thought that even Jericho's promo, they did back to back promo backstage segment, are like right after the the first match, right after the coffin match. Moxley. You can't say it enough. He is he's an incredible babyface, badass promo. Not he's not a white meat babyface at all. Dude loves to bleed. He loves to bleed. And then even Jericho's promo, I was like, is his did he do something different with his hair that makes him look like uh like Lionheart? Look like a little different, yeah. Yeah, it, it was the match was insane and ended the right way. Uh it went twenty three minutes. I think it came on. I think the entrances started at 24 minutes after the hour. And I was like, holy shit. Like, they're going to give a ton of time to this. They did. It was, uh, I was, I was in, enraptured. I thought it was a fantastic match. Uh, then when I saw it was six minutes left, I was like, oh, well, here comes a six minute schmoz. Did not expect to see. CM Punk didn't even think about it because there are so many schmazes that happen all the time at the end of AEW Dynamite. It's well, I'm, it's well documented how I feel about those, but I thought that the match was awesome. Jason. To see Chris Jericho reinvent himself within two weeks, I can see and I can't agree, I'm not going to agree because I'm just bullish on my Mount Rushmore but if others want to change their Mount Rushmore, I totally understand. Chris Jericho was amazing in this match. When he, you have someone in Boxley that's a, you know, the Blackpool Combat Club member, and all they talk about is just grinding people down and, you know, making their wills break before or their bodies break or whatever. Chris Jericho wasn't having any of that on, on Wednesday night. He was stretching John Moxley out a couple of times. I was like, Ugh, oh, okay. Hey, dang on now. Shit. What the fuck is this? It was good to see that Chris Jericho can do that. And it just gives credence to those who believe that Chris Jericho is the GOAT. I don't have a problem with that. It is very, very easy for me to sit here and would be able to agree I can't. Ric Flair is my guy, but if you wanted to say Chris Jericho and somebody else wanted to say Chris Jericho, I would have no problem with that. Well, Flair also dropped weight for his last match. Dude, do you, do, <laughs> yeah. don't, don't make me come over there. Don't, don't make me come over there, man, okay? As I say, just because my boy was dehydrated and passed out a couple of times don't necessarily mean that he was in tip-top shape, okay? This is what happens when you're 63 and you try to recreate your youth, okay? Sit your ass down for a little bit. Go drink some Gatorade. Anyway. Man, okay. <laughs> All right, go ahead. 
<laughs> My boy Ham had some really funny jokes on Friend of BFR after that quote from Undertaker where Flair is like, I had six beers ready to go, and Undertaker's like, you're going to have two Gatorades first. <laughs> and he's like, hey, Nate, you're going to have three light beers before you move on to gin and tonics, all right? Come on, I care about you. Uh, go ahead. Box, we getting the ear, earring ripped out, I thought was a – a wild moment. I was like, okay, so when it happened, he didn't bleed right away. He just, he's grabbing his ear like uh, when uh, Holyfield got bit by Tyson. Not a lot of blood in that part of the body, though. I mean, fair. I mean, to be fair, it, not, it was bleeding like a fucking motherfucker later. Okay, and then that's why I was just like, okay, and I'm thinking to myself, Moxley bleeds all the time. This motherfucker can't bleed for this, and then like two seconds later, I'm like, oh, never mind. It's bleeding like a motherfucker. So, I mean, Moxley bleeds. Jericho looks great. The right guy goes over. Punk coming back was a a surprise to me because from what I was reading, he was just learning to walk after, you know, getting the surgery again. He didn't come down real quick, but he got the job done and we got the face off where it looked kind of uh, eerily similar to uh, it was Rock Austin, I think, was this, the WrestleMania where they kind of looked side to side. I know I mean, I know Hogan and Rocket, the big one, but Triple H, and, Triple H and Taker did it too before their first WrestleMania match. When nobody said a word. When nobody said a word and Triple H just pointed Point at the, the sign. Yeah. Okay, that's what it kind of felt like to me. This feels like now I would assume that CM Punk is at least on track. They were saying he's not medically cleared yet to be in the ring, but I'm assuming he's on track to be in the ring for All Out. So I, I would once again assume we got our All Out main event, Moxley Punk, for the true one and only AEW championship. I'm kind of sick of saying interim championship, too, because I think Moxley has done an amazing job as champion. Once again, like I said it last week, I'll say it again this week, his two reigns have been kind of, you know, just bad timing. Once in the pandemic and now the second time where – Punk has gotten hurt, and now he's the champion again. He's carried the company in both cases, but it just feels a little empty to me. Uh, Zach, what do you think about CM Punk coming back? Because you talked about the match, but you didn't really give us your thoughts on Punk's return. Did you see it coming? Uh, I figured something had to happen. Like something had to give. I didn't. I didn't think he was going to be coming back uh, necessarily, but uh, or you know. Interrupting the Shmaz, once the Shmaz happened, I'm like, oh yeah, another Shmaz, like, could have done without this. Uh, and then Punk came back and it made a little more sense, even though I still think they could have done without it. But, uh, dude, Jericho hardweighed the shit out of himself. He was bleeding Oof. like crazy. Um, and, yeah, like, uh, nobody has ever kicked out of the Judas effect. John Moxley kicked out of that. And it was after he had ran his head into that exposed turnbuckle. Um, so many great near falls, uh, like Bill said. But, uh, but yeah, Punk coming back. Uh, the segment was great once Punk cleared the ring. Moxley is, like Bill said last week, and he said before, like nobody in wrestling has a handle on their character more than John Moxley. And you can just see him. He's sitting down. Like, all right, motherfucker. Sitting all outside. Right. He's like, he's like, nah, he's like, I'm good. He won't even look at Punk. He's no. just there yeah, and he voice. also like. It was like you could feel he, his presence, but he was just like, no, nah, I ain't going to look. He was, I ain't going to look. He was also, like, looking at Claudio. He was looking in Claudio's direction, and he was, like, telling him to back off. Yeah. Like, we good. Like Kobe with an ISO. You know, he's like, no, no, no. He's like, I got it. We good. It, it, was, uh, it, was, it was perfect. It was perfect. So Moxley, Moxley was perfect. Oh, Zach, shit. do you think... Do you think that, that uh, the booking is going to present this as 
just two badass baby faces fighting each other, do you think one of them is going to go a little bit more heelish? Because there is lots of meat on the bone when it comes to promos between these two guys, particularly when you talk about their past in WWE. Because um, the Shield debuted in a CM Punk Ryback match uh, when they came out and helped Ryback, and they were supposedly working for Heyman, I think was the story at the time, something like that. But anyway, there, there's lots of meat on the bone. You know, Moxie can say things like, it was okay when you left because I was there. You know, like there is tons of shit. This is just little old me that's never cut a promo in his life. Just thinking about the things that these guys can say to each other. I am very much so looking forward to the promo battles between these two guys. Both guys can carry yeah. the stick. Go ahead, Tubier. Thankfully, we got him back because we're only like three weeks in the pay-per-view. So there's not a lot of time to build it, even though you don't necessarily – the story's baked in. Uh, you know, returning champion, interim champion, it's already baked in. Uh, they're both fantastic. So, uh, you know, Moxley got some booze whenever he flipped Punk off and shoulder shoved him. I don't know if that's necessarily the way it'll go, uh, but man, this is just a phenomenal matchup, and I mean, they're going to sell a lot of pay-per-views. There's going to be a lot of people wanting to see this. For sure. I'll um, just say that if if Moxley turns heel, Blackpool Combat Club allows him to flip heel, at least for this interim, for lack of a better word, moving forward. They can be tweeners, but I think for this scenario... It's going to be hard to not root for Punk, especially him coming back, just winning the title, and then had to cough it up before he had the chance to even defend it. He's so fucking smug, though. Like, oh, I know. I, 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 would, I wouldn't describe Moxley's character as smug. I would. I I don't know. John Moxley is a fucking maniac, though. Did you guys see any of the highlights, or did you watch the match between him and Despy Des, El Desperado? I haven't seen oh that. Oh my god! I mean, it just happened last weekend. Like, what? Two weeks ago. Two, two weeks, weeks ago? ago? Yeah, two weeks ago. But, like, he was, like, Desperado was, like, putting, like, skewers through him and shit. Like, John Moxley is having the type of year. I heard, I saw somebody, or I I think the guy on Super Jcast said he's, he's, like, he's like Terry Funk. Like, he's, like, going around. He's just fighting everybody, everybody. in death matches. And God bless Tony Khan for letting him do it. And God bless... John Moxley for actually being the dude that actually wants to do it. It's right. fucking he's having such a fucking major year and uh maybe you know if you give up drinking you got to put your shit somewhere else but if that's uh getting cut up and landing on thumbtacks and just bleeding the shit like and getting Hard earrings pass. ripped out of your your Yeah, I'll just keep drinking. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, definitely. I, I was asking a question, though. Sorry. I just were, kept going. I'll give you my you thoughts were, on Yujiro uh, later. You were, you did hit it on the head. Moxley's confident, CM Punk smug. I think it's, it's harder to root for Punk. It seems like he's just coming back uh, in, you know, as, you know, it seems like the booking is if Tony wanted to take the title off of him, he wouldn't have created an interim title, so it almost seems obvious that he's going to win and he's just like coming back for like what's his and he's like kind of a smug dickhead about it. Like, I think he's going to have to work hard. He's going to get the initial pop on the return. At least for me, he's going to have to work hard as a baby face uh, in this scenario because John Moxley comes off as just the ultimate baby face uh, with his history and with his 
what he's done, whereas Punk does not. So, I don't know. We'll see how, see how they, they present there's, there's really only one comparison that I – that there's only one babyface comparison that I can think of in the last 25 years of wrestling that compares to what John Moxley's doing right now, and it's Stone Cold Steve Austin. Totally. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I can I can totally see that. I'll I'll just say this. For me personally, I want to root for Moxley. Like I said, I want him to get a run that really cements a championship legacy for him in some form or fashion. But I get it. I mean, Punk's story was really good until he decided he wanted to jump into the crowd and break his fucking foot. It's going to be hard to to see somebody lose, but for me, if that ha- match happens, I'm rooting for Moxley. Yeah, in my head right now, I'm rooting for Moxley. Sometimes, sure. you, sometimes you don't know who you're rooting for until you're watching it. You know, sometimes I feel that way about uh, sports games that I'm watching, and to me, wrestling is a sport. And sometimes I won't know, but in my head right now, I want Moxley to get this title. In the I want Moxley to win it just because I want him to be like, I wasn't interim. Fuck right. you. Yeah. Yep. Uh, totally. What's next, Zach? Uh, we can just talk kind of about the bookends of the show because uh, that was another bloodbath. Uh, Darby Allen versus Brody King. Um, Oof. You know, this plays in a little bit. Uh, you know, there's a little bit of stuff going on with House of Black. Um, this feud seems like, you know, it might continue uh, with a larger group. Um, with You know, we're talking trios a lot lately. So, you know, that's... That's a possibility, but, uh, but yeah, this is like just a total bloodbath, but it was super fun match, Brody King, you know, Scarlet Mask, and, uh, you know, Sting comes out of the coffin, pops the crowd, uh, you know, pretty fun stuff, uh, not like a ton of depth or anything, but uh, definitely just worth mentioning because it was so goddamn fun. No, it, it wasn't a spot fest per se, but it was definitely um, a spectacle, I guess, for lack of a better term, when you get... Darby Allen taking the, the skateboard with the tax and just grating Brody King's head like some fucking cheese. I was like, oh, so this is how we going to do things here. From that point, it was just, it, it felt like it was a war of attrition where Brody King was throwing Darby Allen around using his size. Darby Allen counters with his speed. I was I was waiting for Sting to come out. I just didn't think he was in the coffin. I guess I didn't remember the coffin being closed. When they came out, um, Brody King came out first, and then Darby jumped him, you know, into the ring. I remember him walking by the coffin, but I just was like, okay. When, you know, Buddy Matthews and Malachi Black came out, I'm like, okay, you know, where's Sting? Where's Sting? And then he came out of the coffin. I'm like, and I had to stop and think. I was like, was that coffin closed the whole time? But neither here or there. It worked itself out well. Just the two things I want to take away from this is, number one, Buddy Matthews, I don't know what their plan is with him, but he needs to be on TV more. I mean, he is electric on screen and in the ring. When he chop-blocked Darby Allen, I mean, I felt it. and You know, I ain't got shit to do with it. So, I mean, for me, I'd like to see a little more Buddy Matthews. The second thing, to me, it's not the most obvious thing, but just the spin past this. Sting and Malachi Black obviously are going to cross paths. At least that's what they're teasing upon storyline. Malachi Black supposedly has a back injury, and that's why you haven't seen him really wrestle uh, since he's come back, got the house of uh, Black together, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I feel like it's been a month since. It feels like since um, 
Forbidden Door. It was like the last time he wrestled, and he hasn't wrestled since. Okay, so at some point, we're going to have to figure that out. You know, whether it's a one-off or they have to go their separate ways and then come back to this. But for me, I'm kind of at the point where I need these guys to go their separate ways, let this thing cool off. If they cross paths in, well, I guess the uh, trio title tournament bracket has come out, so they're not going to cross paths there. For me, like I said, at this point, if we're not going to get Sting and Malachi Black at all out, let these guys go their separate ways. If and when Malachi Black gets healthy, we can always come back to Sting and Malachi Black, and they can write that in. But as for for me for this point, I'm kind of cool on it. Right on, yeah. Um, The biggest, I think, long-term story to talk about for the entire episode is uh, the Young Bucks apologizing to... Adam Page, specifically Matt Jackson apologizing for right. Adam Page. And uh, in a really great segment, uh, I thought this was really compelling television, even though it was just a backstage segment. Uh, Matt did a great job of kind of going over the last couple of years and how, you know, they've split up. Because really, I mean, the whole the whole biggest overarching story in all of All Elite Wrestling is the breakup and the eventual reunion that we know is coming of the elite and Cody won't be there but Cody was also always kind of ancillary to that group anyway uh it really is uh the hung bucks and Kenny uh those are like you know the core four even though uh Adam Adam Page is you know not a VP or anything those were those are the core four guys and uh you know Page turns them down uh, you know, he was not like you got to give the people what they want. <laughs> he was like you gotta let us hang with the dark order. And um, that said, I think that essentially next week we have the beginnings of uh, the trios tournament bracket, and it's Young Bucks and a mystery partner uh, versus um, what it's a uh, oh yeah, it's Dragon Lee Roosh uh, and like Andrade. you know LFI Andrade, in the house. like. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, the brothers and Andrade. And that match is going to be amazing. And I think, uh, I don't know if this is, like, basically, Paige said, you know, you guys have a third partner. And uh, Brandon Cutler's like, I think they were talking about me, guys. I'm like, shut the fuck up, Brandon. But um, (laughs) I think we're going to get the unadvertised return of the best bout machine, Kenny Omega next week on dynamite okay so i know you're really big on the the hung bucks becoming a trio and then actually running the gambit to maybe win the title at least be in the tournament were you surprised that hangman page turned him down i did i was and um i think the only reason i think that it would have not gone that way if kenny wasn't coming back because i don't think they they pretty much held off on this trio title thing for Kenny to come back right. um, because that, that gives him something to do and it keeps him out of the title picture and, and all that. And it also probably lightens his workload considerably. If you got uh, Matt and Nick in there, you don't necessarily have to be doing goddamn Tope Cone Heroes and shit, uh, you know, working with Vertigo and all that. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But I think that that's what, how it's going to play out. No, I agree. I was – I was waiting for when the Young Bucks came in and, and you know, had the Dark Order and, and uh, Hangman Page there. I was like, okay, you know, 
this is kind of what I was waiting for. You know, I was kind of like you. I want to see them get uh, the Hung Bucks get back together, and then Kenny comes back, and you know, you have this new re- recreation of the Elite or whatever the case may be. But when Hangman turned him down, at least it made sense. I might not agree with it, but these are the guys that have my back. I don't want to turn my back on them. It's their time now, stuff like that. It, that made sense, and it was compelling enough to where it was like, you know, it's two, you know, uh, ships in the night, you know, cruising past each other, you know, I love you, I love you too, we can't be together. So in that scenario, it was cool to watch. Matt did an amazing job with this. I think it was probably one of his best promos I think I've ever seen him do, and especially when he, he kind of brought in things that social media said about the Bucks or whatever the case may be. That was a, a good you know, addition to his promo. You kind of stole my thunder on who do you think the Bucks partner is? I would, if it's not Kenny Omega, then I don't know what we're kind of doing here at this point because at this point, I don't, I don't remember Hangman saying you already have a partner. But if that's what he said, then at that point, it probably should be Kenny Omega. If it is, then that would make. Bucks and Omega probably the favorite to win this bad boy. I don't have the bracket in front of me, but um, it would make sense that they and or best friends, I think, would probably be a good first inaugural champions for the trio championship. I agree with you. At some point, best friends just need to be the champions at some later point. I don't know if you said it or I saw it on uh, Twitter. The best friends with Orange Cassidy need to be trios champions at some point. If they're the first, that's okay too. But I agree with you. This was a compelling segment. The fact that we had Hangman give the Bucks the Heisman was a, a really a big surprise. And now it, got, it has me intrigued where if Kenny Omega does come back next week, A, it would be good to see him back. It would be great to hear the music. And it will be intriguing to see where – this goes moving forward. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm totally stoked. So, uh, you know, I don't have the bracket in front of me just yet. Uh, we did have a little bit. Hang on, hang a... on, hang on. No? Never mind. Go ahead. Yeah, right on. We did have a little bit of a tease uh, of not a an actual trios, Matt, uh, trios formation, but uh, Wardlow and FTR talk about a goddamn power team, super team, whatever you want to call them, that would be incredibly fun, although they're not in this tournament. But. Man, they got enough gold. Jesus Christ. FTR's <laughs> needs security come down the ring at this point. I mean, what the fuck? Yep. Uh, but uh, kind of last thing I want to talk about when I gloss over the terrible and long and terribly long Madison Rain Jade Cargill match. Um, but uh, Lucha Brothers uh, versus Roosh and Andrade in like a tornado tag match. Ooh. Fucking awesome. This 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 whole outside of that and, you know, a couple squashes, this was just a fantastic episode of Dynamite as far as wrestling went. Just really off the charts. Did I so I went inside and my my poor child was screaming. She's got a stuffy nose. I guess she hasn't been sleeping for the last thirty minutes, which makes me feel like shit. Um so I was gone for a minute. I guess you guys already talked about the coffin match. Briefly, yes. Did you guys talk about how perfect uh, 
Brody King's bump was into the coffin. I did not, but I did see it. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was, boom, boom, man, boom. it was so, so perfect. It's like, you know, that's why I say, like, okay, these guys ain't athletes. Okay, all right, are they at least stuntmen? Because that was he had one shot to do that in front of a live crowd. And it, it they was called back so to good. the to the choking thing to or to the hanging thing really that right. uh, that Brody did to Darby I think it was in the Battle Royal yeah and uh, he dropped him and he just just perfect bounce bounce <laughs> closed down um, that was uh, that was a really fun brutal match that I enjoyed a lot uh, just to get my I, let, let me get my shit in uh, I also enjoyed the Young Bucks or not the Young Bucks. The Lucha Brothers versus Andrade and Roosh, as Zach just said. That was a nonstop, crazy Lucha match. Um, and I came outside when you guys were talking about Hangman Page kind of rejecting the Young Bucks. And to me, that is really good storytelling because that is the way. Like, let's treat these people that are in a ridiculous wrestling uh, environment. Let's treat them like they're actual humans. And Hangman Page being like, listen, hey, yeah, uh, I just hate the elite, or I hate the undisputed elite, you know. I just hate I, th- I hate Adam Cole. It makes sense that he would come down there because he still loves the Young Bucks, but they were dicks to him, and he's going to stick by Dark Order in their trios match. Like, what's Jason Bell always say? Make it make sense. That makes sense from a character standpoint that Hangman Page would reject the Young Bucks in that situation. Now, he's not going to reject them forever. I'm sure that we're looking for some, we're looking at some kind of reconciliation, but it doesn't have to happen automatically, and it just let, let it play out for a couple weeks. That's good That's good TV, as far as I'm concerned. Who do you think the Bucks partner is for next week's trio tournament? Johnny Gargano. No, it's, <laughs> it's probably uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's probably Omega. I hope that it's Omega. And that, like, I think that you and I talked last week. We were like, I think I asked you, would you be cool if the Hung Bucks uh, won the trios titles? And you were like, yeah. I was like, yeah, I'd be cool with it too. If Kenny Omega and uh, the Young Bucks win the trio's title and then they have to go against death triangle for the next pay-per-view or next couple dynamites or whatever count me in two beer do you have the uh the bracket up are you looking at Uh, it i i I did one second um let's see also, I want to say I don't know if you guys the the lethal the Wardlow and FTR thing. That's just while Zach's looking this up, that's an embarrassment of riches. Like I mean, that yeah. is that is nobody's going to beat those three guys kayfabe style because they are FTR is having. Like, tag team of the year. Well, yeah, we can just do the beefer right now for tag, tag team, team of the year. year. I mean, it's FTR. Pretty much. Uh, yeah, unless the father, son, and Holy Ghost come back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so we've got uh, up in the top left, Death Triangle versus Will Ospreay and Ozzy Open, uh, which <sighs> will be awesome. Yeah. Uh, Andrade, Alidolo, Dragon Lee, and Roosh versus the Young Bucks and mystery opponent, which will be over-the-top awesome. Yeah. Uh, we got House of Black versus Dark Order, which should be good. That's on the other side. And then we got Truck Busters versus Best Friends, which is just fucking weird. 
Um, I know we got a segment, but um, uh, you know, there's like a. Uh, I'm not like super high on Trustbusters gimmick. Um, I don't know. Remind me again who the Trustbusters are. Ari like uh, Davari and Parker Bru- uh, Boudreaux, who was uh, the bodyguard Hans- for Hanson or Harlow or uh... yeah, he was the bodyguard for yeah. Joe Gacy. What was his name? Uh, Parker Boudreaux. Boudreaux. No, but what was his name in NXT? Start with an eight. Harlan. Har- okay, I was going to say you yeah. just said it. And uh, who's the third guy? That's fine. No, wait, wait, we don't have enough time for this. Anyway. Yeah, I'm not dragging this shit out. Um, but yeah, it looks like. I mean, I can't imagine Osprey and Aussie Open winning. So it looks like it'll be Death Triangle versus Buck and uh, whoever. Uh, on one side semifinal and probably House of Black versus Best Friends or maybe Dark Order versus Best Friends uh, on the other side. So it's probably House of Black. Uh, I heard so. there's a surprise entrant rumor. It's uh, the acclaimed in our truth. See, you ain't shit. <laughs> go ahead, Tubi, before just, I have to go off. They're just going to drop some bars. <laughs> so good. Um, so before we move on, uh, I mean, we don't have to say any more about Dynamite, but um, we did have Battle of the Belt. Uh, and I missed it. I really wanted to make time today to watch Claudio versus Takshita or Takeshita yep. uh, because yep. I heard it was off the chain awesome. It was off the chain I awesome. was lucky enough to find a feed that was non-commercial. I found like the European feeds and fights, and it was... Um, if I hadn't watched Shingo versus Will Ospreay, it would have been the best match that I saw all week. And it's one of the best matches of the year. Um, it was fucking great. Uh, Takeshita has everything that you need. They need to really take advantage of Like, he's three months into excursion. They got nine more months with him. Just give him some gold. Give him some wins. I know they let him beat Ryan Nemeth on rampage but like this guy gets over every single time he's out there and he loses and I understand it but like he's over he's great uh, he started wrestling at 16 first match of the Budokan Hall when he was 16 um, I loved it this match just absolutely murdered and he got great near falls um, you know he's a big guy stood up in the, you know next to Claudio um, but yeah, go out of your way to watch it, even though you didn't get a chance to watch it before the pod. It was it was awesome. I'll just say this: when they threw out the word excursion, that to me changed my whole mindset about Takeshita. And it's not because I agree with Two Beer. The match was good. Takeshita has amazing ability. I'm not looking for him to win a title. To me, that's not really what the excursion is supposed to be about. If he wins the title, that's great. If Shoto Umino over in Red Pro wins the uh, the British Heavyweight Championship, that's great too. I'm not expecting him to do it, but it would be cool. For me, it's, a, it's more about bridging a gap, making a connection or relationship with, in this scenario, AEW and DDT. So if, you know... Everything starts to, you know, get back to normal, quote unquote. You can have a super show where you have AEW stars and DDT stars on the same show or something like that. For me, it's not about what we're seeing right now. It's what we could possibly see down the line. Claudio's first defense should be a, a successful title defense, and it was. And Takeshka pushed that motherfucker to the limit. It was a really good match. I can't wait to watch it. Um, 
Anything else from that Battle of the Belts, Zach? Um, Thunder Rosa had a good match against Jamie Hader, um, which I think is more of a testament to Jamie Hader than anything. Dude, uh, still my Thunder. I think I think we said that last week about how under you she is. She's go fucking, back and start him, Jamie. I awesome. love you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, no, we can uh, we can move on if, uh, unless you guys got anything else AEW related. All right, let's get to that three count. The three count is Yujiro Takahashi, and why does he have six fucking points in this fucking G1 tournament? No, the 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 uh, three count is the G1 tournament. Um, my wife posted the picture last week on our video last week on Facebook of Jason and I outside on deck doing the podcast, and my beautiful baby daughter Edna May, Edna Guerrero, Edna Kingston, uh, whatever you want to call her. Uh, and the May baby, she and the May baby. I uh, forgot about that one. <laughs> she was outside trying to get through, and my wife tagged friends of BFR in there. And I told her that I wish she wouldn't have done that because I don't need people at work knowing that I host a wrestling podcast in which I admit to watching five G one shows in the last two days <laughs> while I was working. That's right. That's right, everybody. I watched. So and dynamite. I watched so much wrestling in the last two days. I have managed to avoid all spoilers by staying off of Twitter and everything. But let's just I go. Followed your boy too, but that's another story for another time. I unfollowed you, yeah, because <laughs> you, you you put up spoilers as you're watching. We've talked about it. I We've know, talked I about know, it. I, know. It, it. I gotta fuck with you about it. I have to fuck with you. It's your about style it. of tweeting, and I'm not here to tell you that you can or can't tweet anything. I just have to unfollow you sometimes because. You live tweet the shit. And I don't live tweet it. I live tw- live tweeting to me is that means I'm up at four in the morning, and then the way I would tweet would be totally different because I would be like, "Oh shit, did you see that? Oh wow, oh oh." No, oh. but you're you, but you're like, okay, you're like uh, Usuro beats Juice, and then you ex- like give your little capsule explanation, which is completely fine. That's how you want to tweet. It is it it is a level level of media, or it's a medium that you can do whatever you want to. And I just had and because we are tagged in all the same shit all the time. I you're like at the top of my feed all the time and it just I just gotta do it for the G one man. I just gotta I just gotta lose you. But see anyway how you do, see how you do your boy, that's okay. Go ahead. Go anyway, ahead. Uh, so what I'm gonna do here is I'm gonna go through each night. I'm just we're not gonna go match by match. I'm I'm gonna go through each night, say who won, who lost. And if you're not into the G one you can probably fast forward uh, probably about two hours. Um, so, so, uh, night one, Yujiro beats Juice Robinson. <sighs> a lot to say. Uh, Taichi beats Chase, uh, Chase Owens in a good match. Naito beats Hanare. Jonah beats Jeff Cobb, big meaty men slapping meat. Tanahashi beats Evil. Um, this was not a very... I mean, it's a decent night of wrestling as far as G1 nights go. Jonah versus Cobb was the standout for me. Fuck you, Reba, for fucking up our wires and shit. Uh, (laughs) Jonah versus Cobb was the standout for me. That was kind of one that we had circled at the beginning. Zach, did you have a chance to watch any of these matches? Uh, Yeah, I I agree. It was not a standout evening, but that was a standout match. Uh, Jason, what do you think? Um, just looking at it, um, Tanahashi beating Evil, where House of Torture was throwing all kinds of fuckery at Tanahashi, Tanahashi 
overcome said fuckery. I think that was an uh, important earmark to look at. Uh, Jonah versus Jeff Cobb. This was one of the two matches where Jonah had Jeff Cobb and uh, Okada in back-to-back matches. I was thinking a split would be good. Jeff Cobb goes down to Jonah in queen fashion, which is always a surprise. It was an ooh factor for this one. There will be a second ooh factor with the Jonah match later on. Naido getting back on track. Uh, tai Chi laying down Chase. No surprise there. I'll let you take Yujiro uh, versus Juice. You can uh, take a nice little dump on that if you like. Well, I just think that Yujiro, his his tournament might be done by now. I just think that he is a noticeable step down in match quality compared to nearly everybody else except for Fale, who can barely move anymore. And at least Fale... You guys, you can have some guys that are fun. I mean, the funnest thing about Yujiro is his valet. I mean, really, like I'm, I'm not even I'm, I'm not trying to be a perv or anything, but I, I mean, Yujiro also went over Yoshihashi a couple nights from here. It's like I I don't understand why Yujiro has six points. I've heard people that are speculating that uh, the D block will end in a seven-way tie, everybody with six points, and then they'll know what they're going to do. That sounds fun to me. I would rather they figure out a way to have a six-way tie and Yujiro with zero points. No, I was going to say... That- do, we, do we agree, though, that Yujiro is the worst worker going in, in the G1, right? Uh, yeah. Tubir, give me... Answer the question while I look at this for 30 seconds. Oh yeah, in the G one right now. Um, in the G one yeah. right now, who do you look? Whose matches do you look forward to less? Yujiro, oh, Fale, or 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 Yana? Okay, that's what I was going to say. You didn't say you didn't say it like that. At least Yano's just going to get in and get out, though. It's like it's going to be short, you know. Uh, but uh, any thoughts on this, uh, Zach? Yeah, I mean, just flip a coin for Yujiro or Fale. Um, as the worst match of the night. I'll say this. I'm not I think part of part of Udro's problem is that A, he's not very charismatic. He doesn't do anything that's really charismatic, great. agile, uh good worker. Okay, uh, he fun doesn't to do look anything, at, anything uh, in great. shape. Uh Peter <laughs> is his look. I'll give you that. I will totally give you that, okay? But I think the other problem is is that who he runs with. The House of Torture on this podcast is not very well liked. And anytime I hear Evo's music or I see Dick Togo or them coming out as a group, I'm rolling my eyes. Even when in the like preview matches, when they sprinkle in a little bullet club, I'm just like, ugh, they, damn, ELP, how you get stuck with this fucking, you know, scenario? So I think it's more so that Udro isn't very good. And then on top of it, he's a part of House of Torture as well. Okay, so let's move on to the next night. Uh, I'm going to try to have a conversation about everybody that we want to have conversations about. And then at the end of this, I'm going to read down the totals, and we'll talk about where we think the uh, the blocks are going. Uh, the next night, and I want to say this is night 11? I have it as night 13. Oh, okay. Uh, we have Yoshihashi goes over ELP in what I thought was one of my favorite matches of the tournament thus far. Yoshihashi... 
well, we'll come back around to it. Lance Archer uh, defeats Yano in a match that I thought was actually funny, like funnier than most most Yano matches. Zack Sabre Jr. goes over Goto in a pretty good match. Jay White goes over Great Khan, which probably is my favorite Great Khan match of all time. Jay White made him look like an absolute beast. Jay White is clicking on all cylinders. And then we had Shingo versus Will Ospreay. This is a match to me that didn't live up to their match of the year last year, which I think was at Dontaku. Is that right? Yes. Um, one of my favorite matches of all time. This match, however, also fucking ruled. This match was incredible. Um, okay, I was getting. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying, like they have, they have, they have set a bar for so themselves. So ridiculously high. So ridiculously high, but they obviously have. I've seen Will Osprey fight a lot of guys. Him and Shingo have the best chemistry. Uh, what stands out to you from this night? I'll say, I'll, I'll piggyback on that, and I'll just say, I think a part of the problem with this, and it, it's not even a problem. I mean. <laughs> Will Ospreay and Shingo just need to have a best of seven. Just let's just do it like that and be done with it so everybody did you, can be Did happy. you think I was going to say I didn't like the match? Because no. I love the match. No, I'm just, I guess part of the reason why the way you presented it, it was like it kind of caught me off guard. Is like this is arguably the match of the tournament so far. It's on the list, of the short list of the best matches that we've had so far. And the way you kind of presented it was like, oh, it's not that good in the – the Will Ospreay Shingo realm of uh, feuds. I gotta disagree. When you got thirty minutes to play with this, you're gonna have to get your shit in in this thirty minutes. Usually they've gone 35, 40, 45 minutes, whatever the case may be. So for me, in the time constraints given, shit, another instant classic. So I wouldn't say it's my favorite match of the tournament thus far, but uh, I said arguably. It, it was, okay, okay, Zach, what you think? Uh, it was my favorite match of the tournament so far. Um, one of my match of the year candidates. I just loved um, the enormous number of creative counters where usually I watch wrestling and I watch a lot of wrestling, so I kind of know how a match is going to go. And you had no idea if a, if a move was even going to land or not. Even if it already been countered like four times, you had no idea if it was actually going to land. And it was so smooth. Uh, their, their match style, like they are... They're career rivals, just in the sense of, of match quality. Whenever I think of the best matches, like of like history, you know, you talk about your Omega, your Okadas. Your, they are career your rivals. Flair Steamboat. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. guys that would be connected as long as they're in the same promotion at some point. I I totally agree with that. Uh, what you guys think about Jay White versus Great Okan? Tuber, did you see I this? I only watched the main. Of, I only watched the main event of this uh, night. Okay, um, for me. I think Ray Khan was eliminated at this point, so now you're, you're kind of playing for quote-unquote pride or whatever. This is the Great Khan I kind of wanted to see throughout the tournament, and for whatever reason, booking-wise, it just didn't happen. He's getting ready to do that Mongolian chop, and Jay White's like, what is that? <laughs> like, no, he's like, that's illegal. Okay. Jay White is great. I think he comes from, to me, he comes from the Kevin Owens school of wrestling. You just, you just talk, you talk, you talk, you talk, and – Ultimately, you get yourself over, and I think that's one of the great things about Jay White. He's he's one of the best talkers in the game, for sure, he no made, doubt. He made Great Okan look like a I won't say a world beater because I think I have high hopes for Great Okan. I expect him to win a singles title at some point, 
but this gave credence to why he was in the G1 to begin with. He pushed the champ to the limit. Champ gets out of it. You know, escapes is the way I think I put it on uh, Twitter when I watched it. It wasn't a, a solid win for Jay White, but he did what he had to do to stay undefeated at this point and make Great Okonga good, win-win both sides. Um, And also I thought, listen, I think ELP, he's only got four points at this point uh, because he did have that upset last night, which uh, I wasn't very happy about, to be honest. I think the ELP is, is having an upset to beat Finlay. Yeah, yeah, it's an upset. Okay. Um, well, I'm okay, but anyway, yeah, we'll get to it. Uh, ELP is there's a bunch of newcomers in this tournament this year. ELP is having his first G1 ever. ELP is having a tremendous G1 that and plus he's also doubling on commentary. He's Woo. doubled on commentary twice, God and damn. he I texted you guys today. He is killing me on commentary. God damn, killing so me on commentary. Uh, I love him to death. He's my he's like he's inching his way up into one of my new favorites. Um Yano Lance Archer, Yoshihashi versus El Fantasmo. If you haven't seen it and you're a fan of Yoshihashi or if you're like me and you think that Yoshihashi has made some great strides in the last few years being coming from someone who was kind of on the usual level a when few we years ago. when we first started watching New Japan. He's not there Yoshihashi anymore. was was that guy when he walked out. He still out, doesn't have a whole lot of personality. I don't. I don't want him to have a whole personality. I want him to be plucky in the ring. When he comes in, you just know you're going to have. Well, to he do definitely sees all these motherfuckers coming back in now that COVID's done. He's like, these motherfuckers are trying to take my place, and now I'm going to have good. Now I'm going to have great matches, and he is. Uh, the next night, which would be night. No, I, I messed it up. It'd be night thirteen now. Okay, all right. So we had Evil going over Hernare. Uh, Tom Lawler goes over Bad Luck Fale to get his first two points, which was fine. Uh, a match that I loved, loved, which was Juice versus El Fantasmo. <laughs> um, when Juice you like this match? loved it. <laughs> loved it. You didn't like it, Zach? It started out with fucking... Fart comedy. I thought Vince McMahon booked this show. It started <laughs> no, it started out with fart comedy and then and then it turned into like they fucking hated each other to the point where ELP put Juice's head through a table. Like that it was multiple a, times. That was a fun they spot. I mean I yeah, I'm saying it, it like started off and you're like, ah, well, this is one of these jerk off G one matches. When you're in the doldrums, when you're in the middle of the G one and shit starts to get a little boring, and they start throwing stuff in. We'll see. We'll see this later with Tamatonga versus Taichi, and shit start get, well, another match that I fucking loved. Okay, uh, but I'll tell you what: when Juice hit ELP with some some move, he's like, and Kevin Kelly goes, ELP's, ELP's trying to get back up, but the damage is done. Then Juice goes. From the ring. The damage is done, Kevin. <laughs> and and, uh, and Lance Archer goes, ah, he can hear you. Uh, that was that was so funny. I was I was a big fan of this match just because how violent it got at the end. Also, I think it's the first DQ that we've had, yes. which is okay. Let's throw in a DQ every once in a while. You no know? problem with it. And it El Fantasma looked at the ref like, what the fuck? He just did that to me. And they did a great job of explaining that. 
You can do that outside the ring, and the referees will give you a lot of leeway. Can't do that shit inside the ring. It was, uh, I like the explanation of it. Then we had Chase Owens versus Ishii, which is was my favorite Chase Owens match of all time by far. Probably because it was against Ishii. Ishii has already been eliminated. Ishii is sitting at one and four in the G one, which I hope he doesn't get relegated, but he may. And then we had not not the match of the tournament, the upset of the tournament by far. Oh, no. oh wait a minute. Go go ahead. Go ahead. What's the upset of the tournament? Then? It's not this. Was it some fucking Naito match? No. It's not this. What match? I'm trying to see what you would think would be the upset of the tournament. To me, an upset is a guy that has no chance or little to no chance beating somebody that he has no business beating. Jonah versus Okada, you can that's see. the upset of the tournament. What? Oh, my God. Man, you're looking at a guy on paper that's the greatest wrestler of all time that everybody has in chalk. Everybody has in chalk that's going to win his block. He won the G1 last year, and a guy that's never fought in New Japan. It's not in chalk, man. Never fought, never, never fought in the G1. And Jonah goes over. Okada puts him over clean. Okada sells for him like a motherfucker. There was a lot. The, the only knock against Jonah going into the G1 tournament was, was he going to blow up, right? Was he going to lose his breath? Was he going to be out of shape? And he and he and Okada went twenty two and a half minutes, and Jonah beats him clean one two three in the middle of the ring with no shenanigans. That is a fucking upset. That guy was Bronson Reed last year in NXT. You don't think you don't think that's the upset of the tournament? Hanari beating Tanahashi. Tanahashi's on his way out. Tanahashi, that's like Ric Flair jobbing the no, fucking I'm Jeff Jarrett. Hanari doesn't Old guy have, putting over a young guy. Okay, and that's supposed to happen. That, to me, is an upset. Looking at Jonah and looking at Okada, if you didn't know anything about wrestling, and I brought these two guys out and said, which guy do you think, this is my introduction to UFC, when UFC was had no weight limits, you know, just basically you throw two guys in the cage and just let them go. My friend Ben was like, you know, shout out to Ben Tierney. He was like, you know, who do you think is going to win? I'm like, oh, this big guy's getting ready to win. You know, it'd be a big guy, little guy. I'm like, big guy's getting ready to win. And then the little guy ends up winning. That, to me, is an upset. You can't look at Okada and Jonah and be like, oh, Okada's getting ready to win. You know, no problem with that. The only reason that you even consider that this is a quote-unquote upset is because of who they are and we know who they are. Okada arguably is the greatest wrestler alive. I would be on the one one of the people that would say something like that. Je- Jonah is not necessarily the guy that we would put on Okada's level, but you guys are acting like he's Jason, this big-ass scrub. Jason, I have to say, this could be your worst take ever. Whatever. Like it's, Whatever. like it's unbelievable. Whatever. Like, oh yeah, you're, but you're talking about it in kayfabe. Yeah, like it's real. It's fine. It's, it's real to Jason. It's so real to Jason. That's why. And he, he agrees with us. He's like, the only reason that you think it's the greatest upset is because you're thinking of it like real life. And that's what we. That's how we. That's actually how we are thinking of it. Yeah, we're thinking of it like it's real life. Like it's real life. Like it's wrestling. Like. Yes. Like. Right, yeah. Like that's the way like, wrestling like goes. It actually is. Yeah. All right. Let, okay. Let me ask you this, Jason. Do you think that Ric Flair pinning Jeff Jarrett is an upset? Because in real life, Jeff Jarrett's quite a bit younger than him. 
Now, listen, I'll, I'll give you some room to back off this take if no, you want to. No, I, w- I refuse to back off this take. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. You can call this the worst wrestling take of the year. I just refuse to do it. Listen, I'm not I'm not some guy in some other podcast that's telling you that you have a bad take without putting you on it like those other fucking not, assholes. No, you're, you're, I'm yeah, saying it to even you. Worse. I'm saying it's it. even worse because you're like my man for no, 269 I'm, episodes, but and I'm now saying, this is the worst I'm, wrestling take I'm ever. Saying, I'm, Get the fuck out of here. All of a sudden, I'm now, saying it directly to your face, though. Take. I'm saying, no, no. No, not not the worst wrestling take of all time. Your worst wrestling take of all time. I'm looking right at you and saying it though, like a man, man the man, man the man. Listen, you're looking at the guy that has called that is still owning Brodus Clay. I've been fucking owning Brodus Clay for fucking ten years now. I refuse to sit here and say that Jonah beating. Okada is the upset of the tournament. What did what Flat did you, out refuse? What did you think of the match? I thought the match was great. It was a great way to put Jonah over. You're beating arguably the greatest wrestler that I've seen in the last ten or fifteen years. Queen is a whistle. The power slam when when Okada was coming off the top, the the power bomb. I'm sorry, that set the whole thing up. A second power bomb. Then he comes off the top, and you hear the crowd's like, "Oh!" And he just lands on Okada. I was like, "Oh the, shit!" The, the crowd the was crowd. like, "The crowd was like, restrictions be damned." Yeah, they were like, "Oh!" I'm like, "Uh oh!" <laughs> like and he counted for three. I'm just like. Oh, this shit just happened. But it wasn't like this was a surprise. There was a reasonable argument to be made that Jonah could beat Okada. Could it was it a small percentage? Yeah. Was it even smaller that Hanari could beat Tanahashi? I don't give a fuck if that dude is 60. That's still a bigger upset. All right. J- uh, Zach, what do you think about this match? And were you surprised right. that it happened? Uh, yeah, I was surprised, and but I love the way that it went down. Okada made him look like an absolute monster. Uh, I mean, he does a good job of that on his own, but he also just like made him like seem like a legitimate contender to Okada's like reign. You know, he made him look really good, and the crowd just having that little bit of crowd reaction at the end where. Yeah, they were just like restrictions be damned. They were gasping, and they were cheering, and they were counting one, two, three. I was like, dude, this wrestling would this G one would be so much better if they were just allowed to do that shit. Yes. Um, real quick, backtrack a little bit. Sure. I was watching Ishii Chase Owens, and I was like, well, that was the match of the night. It just absolutely fucking ruled. It was one of the best matches in the whole tournament. And I agree. Then the next match was just as good. I've heard and take it for what it's worth that Bill said relegation. I don't want to use the word relegation, but maybe Ishii is coming out of the G1 for some reason. Maybe it's just, you know, physical health, whatever the case may be. Maybe this is the reason why he's being booked so poorly in a shorter G1. One and four for Ishii. Doesn't necessarily feel like it should be easy. He usually starts off slow and then he comes back and it's right around that um, six eight. Yeah, six eight point range or whatever the case may be. Five hundred, maybe one or one of one over, one under. Like you said last week or maybe two weeks ago, you were like Ishii versus everybody. You love watching Ishii matches. The guy. I would, I would be very sad if he's not in next year's G one because I, more times than and I said it on Twitter, he's a walking. 
instant classic. Recently, I went back and read Ishii's uh, Wikipedia page because I was like, "Where the fuck did this guy come from?" You know, and it's kind of it's kind of strange. Like he started off like nobody really respected him. He he barely got any t- he barely got any time at all in the ring, and then eventually he just turned himself into because he was so tough. And because guys respected him so much that everybody wanted to keep fighting him, so he turned himself into what he is, which is essentially a mid-carder. But the G1 is not always about who wins. The G1 is about who has the best tournament right. for, for, for people that watch it a lot. And Ishii consistently has one of the best tournaments. He has some of the best matches, okay? And that, to me, is always a indication where... Pretty, pretty rare that you get an Ishii match where you're like, eh. Yeah, yeah, it's a stinker. I'm not interested. And that Chase Owens match was legit. Like, legit fucking cool. It just made Chase Owens kind of double down on the win versus ta- over Tanahashi. That's an upset. I don't care what you say. Okay. Chase beating Tanahashi is an upset. Okay, that's fine. I, I, I won't bring it up again. Bring it up again. Now still defend it. <laughs> All right. The next night we had uh <laughs> now these were the two that I watched today. Uh we had Yujiro going over <laughs> Yoshihashi. Fuckery. That's all I'm gonna say. Fuckery across the board. Now when's the last time Yujiro had a good match? Um Has it been in this G one? It hasn't. He beat Tanahashi. It was the upset over Tanahashi. There you go. Okay. All right. Uh was it a good match? Sonata, okay. Sonata goes over Owens, where Owens has to fight, uh, I think it was two nights in a row, or two out of three nights. Owens doesn't tap out, but he passes, passes out. out. Uh, Sonata quietly has had a pretty good G1. And, yeah, I know, I know. Uh, no we fuck? We had a really fun match between Tamatanga and Taichi. Now, I know that people hate the glove thing, and it certainly is some sports entertainment type for sure. Fuckery. But it's also Japanese sports entertainment fuckery, which to me, as as a gaijin, like I look at it and I'm like, this is pretty cool, actually. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm into this. Uh, then we had Lance Archer go over Jonah on a countout. So Jonah it has six points, has yet to get pinned or submitted. He has lost two countouts to Yano and to Lance Archer. And then we had... One of my favorite matches of the tournament is Naito versus Kenta, which fucking ruled. This was uh, the last three matches, or I should say, Taichi and Tamatanga, Naito and Kenta were my two favorite matches of this night. What do you think, Jason? Um, obviously, Naito beating Kenta, just as a personal perspective, it keeps Naito alive in the C block. He is coming back and st- is still alive. I don't know if he still alive. Yeah, right. As Gunray say, I don't know if he has control of his destiny. We'll talk about that in a second. Lance Archer beating Jonah was a disappointment in the sense of just as the count out, especially Jonah beating second biggest upset of the tournament. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> say, once again, if you put these two chokers together, you would probably be like, nah, you know, this might be a push. All right, all right. Jonah losing after beating Jeff Cobb and Okada was a disappointment, but I kind of get it. Makes it goes sense. back to Okada's going to win the big, A block. His big moment is beating Okada. That's what people are going to talk about with Jonah. Him not being pinned yet, though, 
is something that we don't talk about enough. It, it's also it also means that New Japan loves, loves this him. guy. There's something. I, I mean, he beat Okada and he hasn't gotten pinned through five of his six matches. I don't, I, There's I, something I, to be said about that. I um, who his last matches against, but go go ahead. I can't think of who it is either. Yujiro beating Yoshihashi, just fuckery. I don't even trip off of that. Chase passing out to Sonata, that's okay. Tamataka versus Taichi, I thought was the one match that it I was ended in, incredibly. I thought Tai Chi was getting ready to win this Joker, and I'm sitting there like, okay, come on, man, come on, man. But ultimately, I get it. B Block should be about Tamataga versus Jay White in the final night, and that's what we're leading up to. So, so be it. Uh, Zach. Uh, I didn't watch it. None of them looked, I was pressed for time. None of them looked interesting to me, uh, except for maybe Naito versus Kenta, but I was like, didn't know if Kenta had his working shoes on or not. Something did, so I'll no, he did. watch it. Um, I'll just say this. The lead up to this is about Kenta's book and how Naito was gifted Kenta's book, and he, you know, got it, and he started immediately kicking it around. From that point on, it has nothing to do with the book, and it's all about the physicality in the ring. And I almost thought Naito broke his nose in this match. Is the last Jonah match Lawler? Sounds right. It's either Lawler or Fale. Uh, I, thought, I thought Lawler already lost Jonah. Okay. All right. Um, then, it, then it's Fale. So Jonah, unless something weird happens, should end up with eight points. But who knows? The final night, we Jonah have, versus Lawler did wrestle. They were that was night eight. Jonah went over. All right, so it's Jonah versus Fale. Uh, the final night, we have ELP goes over Finlay uh, with the. I don't know. Is this, is this the upset of the fucking tournament? Sorry, I guess my headphones went out there. Uh, <laughs> All right, Kevin Kelly. Tamatanga goes over Great Okan. Great Okan has maybe we're a little early to think that Great Okan was. Ready for the maybe we thought the Great Okan was ready for the big time a little bit more than the powers that be do because Tom because Great Okan only has four points I believe. Uh, Zach Saber Jr. goes over Evil in what now this might be my favorite match of the tournament <laughs> because Zach Saber Jr. goes over Evil in, in like two minutes. I was like perfect. I think less than two minutes. Uh, I, th- I think if the, if you go by when the bell rings, it was forty seven seconds. Um, <laughs> Dude, this was like this was like the wrestling match equivalent of like canceling plans as an adult, where you're just like, oh man, I really don't want to go through with this, and then they're just like, hey, uh, you like don't have to. It's like you're off the hook. It's like, like, oh fuck yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't make me watch this shit. Um, obviously, my it doesn't look like my evil pick for that one is going to go through, but that's okay. I'm, I'm very happy to be wrong in that sense. Uh, we had Okada goes over Lawler. Finally, Lawler, you know, Lawler had a tough, he had a tough draw in terms of blocks because he was in the A block with a bunch of monsters and Yano, who's a comedy act, and Okada. So this is really the only time when Lawler got to show his, got to show what, what, what he's made of, and uh, he made the most of it. This was a really good match. Okada made it look like he stole it from, like Okada stole it from Lawler. Okada, once again, this is, you know, there was this thing that I read recently about Dolph Ziggler. I forget where I read it, where Dolph Ziggler made it look 
to Vince McMahon like he was such a good seller that that that's all he'd ever be. He was just there to sell. And my response always, always to that was, well, what about The Rock? Because The Rock sold Ooh. like a motherfucker. Like, that was like... Watch the, a Stone Cold Starter. Yeah, that was the coolest thing about The Rock is that he sold like a motherfucker. He never no-sold anybody. He made everything look like he was getting shot in the movie Pain and Gain, 2013. Michael Bay, you guys should watch it. Uh, it's on <laughs> Paramount right now. Um, and then... Uh, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Okada Okada is the same way. Okada sells like a motherfucker, made Lawler look great, made obviously made Jonah look great, and it looked like Okada stole this one from Lawler, and Lawler sold it after like he was so disappointed that he didn't win. Really great pro wrestling. Did you watch this one, Zach? Yeah, totally. Uh, I've been looking forward to this match all tournament. Yeah, I think uh, this is the one that you said you had circled when we previewed the G1 wholesale months ago yeah and uh yeah it totally held up uh you know Lawler is really good I think he's uh I don't say underrated because I think the people that know him understand uh how good he is uh but I think he's just underexposed because he's been like mostly on MLW and he's on like New Japan Strong which is a streaming show um so uh yeah like and he's getting to shine on commentary uh, ELP is funny on commentary. I think Lawler's the best wrestling commentator um, out of everybody that's done it so far, though. Well, he's right in between, for my money, he's right in between Lawler, or he's right in between ELP and Archer, where Archer marks out, ELP heals out, and Lawler actually, like, does commentary. That's yeah. the way it uh, seems to me. Now, I I should say that I, I like all three of them on commentary quite a bit. Agreed. What were you going to say, Zach? Oh, um, I think I listened to Waller a decent amount. He's uh, he's like real tight with uh, Brian Alvarez of Figure Four and like Wrestling Observer. So like they do um, they do podcasts and stuff. And uh, I always appreciate Waller because he's just such a fucking cut up. He's just a He's just he's just funny, but he's also uh, really smart about the business and stuff. So he um, also yeah. obviously knows his shit when it comes to MMA shit. Like he knows, like he was twi- he was twisting up Okada in a bunch of ways. It made me really want to see uh, a Lawler ZSJ match. That or just see Tom Lawler in MMA to see how we got from point A to point B. At least for me. Um, yeah, his name is Filthy because uh, he, like, uh, dropped dirty for something, and so he got booted from UFC, but he was a UFC fighter. Oh, I and, thought uh, it was called Filthy because he wears two pairs of jean shorts out to the fucking <laughs> <laughs> out to the ring every time and rips one of them off in that. the middle of every match. It's also that. But, yeah, like, to this day, like, he swears uh, it was, like, some kind of, like, supplement. Like, there was something because it was, like, a – you know, like a very small threshold of something that he dropped for that he said it was in a supplement. Um, but yeah, super pissed about it because I mean he was a good fighter, but he made the most of it. Like, Wait, are you like, saying he shit his pants? What do you mean he dropped no, no. for it? Oh, he like he dropped got, dirty on the uh, the piss test. Dropped dirty on the, on the piss test. Oh, that's for, why he's called filthy. Yes. See, that's how yeah. good of a pro wrestler is. I'm like, what do you do? Shit, this man. <laughs> that would make sense to me. <laughs> that would be pro wrestling sense in that scenario. Uh, Jason, um, not much to add to it. Um, 
ELP winning was good just because I like ELP and it brings the family back to the D block. I don't I'm not gonna go with we're ahead on Great O'Con. I just think this is a a year where he's just not getting booked well in the B block where B block should be about Tamatonga and Jay White. So I don't necessarily have a problem with that. ZSJ being evil, fantastic, real quick. Okada and Tom Lawler, I'll just say this, and I agree with Zach. This is one of the matches I wanted to see because it's Okada versus one of the guys that I, I really want to see how they match up against. Tom Lawler looked like he was getting ready to shed tears after this match. I mean, you could see, like, if it wasn't if it wasn't kayfabe style, it, he was a really good actor because I felt bad for him after this match because it looked like he just left it in the ring and Okada just snuck the win out of him. Yeah, he really what, did look disappointed. I mean, like distraught. <laughs> yes, yeah. Where yeah. Roy Sanders came over, he was like, "You come on, you, you know, you, you did good, you did good," and you could see if you looked in his eyes and then you look, you listen to the uh, the backstage comments. This motherfucker was distraught, which is good working. Now, the only match that we haven't talked about, and this was actually my match of the night, um, as a, I, I would expect it was everybody's, was Goto versus Tanahashi, which seems like a real blood feud. Uh, they, <laughs> they, they really, well, I mean, Tanahashi broke Goto's jaw uh, right. back in the 2012 G1. Kevin Kelly. So did, eloquently brings up. God every Kevin fucking Kelly. time. Like, he loves to say it. God bless Kevin Kelly. He's he he fucking rules, man. I I would love to get him on this show. Actually, I, I should try to get him on this show. Right? We gonna make that shit happen. So Goto goes over Tanahashi in I think it was like twenty seven minutes or something like that. It was it a, was right. It was it com- was a it was long long match. Goto was busted open. Was pouring blood from a slap that did not look very hard. It didn't look very hard any, at all. I was happy to see Goto go over here, though, because I have become a Goto mark uh, during this tournament. I, I I think that this has been this has been a tournament with not a lot of standout matches, but with a bunch of B pluses. You know, a bunch of matches that were like, ah, I didn't waste my time watching that. I was glad that I watched that. It, it but it hasn't had too many matches where it's like. I'll never forget where I was when I saw that match. This match, I thought, fucking ruled. I had to rewind it like five times. I was like, where did he get bloody? Well, said, like, yeah. what the fuck happened? Uh, what did you think about this match, Jason? As a nine-year-old guy, it's, it's kind of hard to be, you know, I don't have a rooting interest because both guys have beat Naido, so I'm just kind of watching this thing unfold. The preview to this uh, match in a tag team scenario is where neither guy wanted to tag the other guy in. Uh, Okada was a six-man tag. It was Okada, Goto, and Tanahashi versus, you know, fill in the blank. I think it was House of Torture. And every time that Goto went to tag over to his side, he wouldn't tag Tanahashi. He would tag Okada. And that, to me, was like the precursor to, to this match. The fact that Tanahashi broke Goto's jaw, I didn't even know until... That the match itself, and all of a sudden, just Goto is just gushing blood. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, damn, man, I hope it's not a broken jaw. I don't want to see this being a, a referee stoppage. But it was the fact that Goto was jumped out in front, at least in the block, so quickly. And now Tanahashi is, you know, starting to catch up. That's to me, was the 
that to me was the uh, oh shit. Yep. Nope. Nope. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I made myself. Damn you, Reba. You just you love you some Bill so much. Anyway, um, long story short, Tanahashi winning is. Oh, I'm sorry. Goto winning is fine. It sets up a two or three way match scenario in the C block where Naito has ZSJ in the final night. Ooh, uh, Tanahashi has to wrestle somebody else, and then you have Goto wrestling somebody else. So the C block is going to get a little convoluted. Not nearly as bad as the D block because basically everybody's in one major clump. But in this scenario, I don't have a problem with Goto going over. It at least keeps him hot coming down to the final night where it's going to be a nice little shit show of guys, you know, sitting there watching, you know, who's going to win, who's going to lose. I love the G1 in this sense because they've made it a storyline pretty much on all three, well, all three blocks, all four blocks. Um, we'll see what happens. Like I said, to me, Goto winning is not a huge surprise. The fact that he got busted open and won this match, that was the surprise. Zach, what do you think? Uh, match absolutely ruled. Uh, no surprise uh, if you actually follow New Japan and you're a fan because uh, Goto is always going to give you a great match when he's working a great opponent, and Tanahashi is always going to give you a great match even if he's wrestling bad luck follow. Perfect. So, I watched... 15 hours of television of wrestling I should say so I could talk about it for about 20 minutes but that's the dedication that I bring to you the listener so we should talk about it um, right now the A block we have a three way tie the three way tie or no I'm sorry I'm sorry Okada has eight Archer has six Jonah has six uh, Jeff Cobb has four pretty pretty steep drop for Cobb after a guy last year who almost went undefeated. Are we still comfortable that Okada is going to win this? Jonah has Fale. Jonah is going to win. Okada's last matches. Uh, fuck. He's got Lance Archer, who they did a stare down with. We're pretty confident that Okada's still going to win this? I still have Okada winning this block. Um, I don't know. Fale the- could upset. Jonah, I mean, it's not, it's the G1. Okay, uh, all right. Know. Okay, see, dude, don't make me come over through this fucking microphone, beat your narrow ass. Would that be an upset? Would that be an upset, <laughs> Zach? I mean, if you look at them. God damn it. I wasn't talking about that. They're both, they're both massive. Like, what What would you say? Um, okay, okay. Yes. so. Uh, <laughs> fuck you and fuck you too. <laughs> so, uh, in the B block. Jason, you sound a little upset. Jay White, Jay White, and oh man, you're gonna make him spit out that shot that I just. No, nope, no, nope, no, nope, we're good, we're good. Uh, in the B block, we have Jay White and Tamatanga sitting at the top. They're gonna face each other on the last night. So Tamatanga has a loss. Jay White does not. Jay White's next matches are against. He has two matches coming up. Obviously, Tamatanga is the back end. I think he has. I don't. I can't remember who the uh, the match beforehand is. Has he fought Ishii? Yeah. Okay. That, that so that that means that means he has to fight Sonata. 
sounds. Uh, I think he fought Sonata already. Well, then he's fighting Chase Owens. Chase no, was the. Chase, yeah, we that, already talked about yeah, that. Chase yeah. was. Um, it's either Sonata or Ishii. For who are you talking about, White or for Tomatonga? For White. Uh, Jay White has to fight uh, Tomatonga, and he also has to fight Tai Chi. Tomatonga's. Oh, that's who he Tomatonga's only match left is it's against Jay, Jay White. White. Yeah. Okay, so it's Tai Chi. This is kind of the problem with this uh, setup for the tournament. The tournament tournament format is because if it's either block A or block B one night, you can always kind of keep it, keep track of who's where. But when it's all four blocks and we might have to get used to this because I think next year they're probably going to have even more people. I think it's going to be blocks of eight or blocks of nine. Whoa, whoa, easy big fella. Well, I mean, when you think about it, there's only more wrestlers that people know new japan is in a place where they probably have to start making more money that they lost during the pandemic and they might even do a g2 oh my god <laughs> he's eating up i uh, said just went down I was like oh jesus christ do we see i mean that would mean if jay white were to lose this block that would mean that he would have to lose to tai chi and tamatanga do we yes. see that happening no there do i Two beer? Nope. Yeah, it's Jay White. Okay. Um, but I'm still looking for that Jay White Tomatonga match. Yes, I think I'll, I think somehow, if I'm not mistaken, it doesn't matter what happens with Jay White versus Tai Chi. The block will come down to Tomatonga versus uh, Jay White. I think Tomatonga has two losses. If Jay White loses to Tai Chi, that's his first loss, obviously. And then you set it up to where it's a winner take all for the B block. Okay. Uh, the C block, we have Zack Sabre Jr. or ZSJ. ZSJ. Uh, sitting atop of the block with eight points. Tanahashi has six. Goto has six. And Naito has six. Evil Kenta and Hanare are all. I would say uh, probably eliminated at this point. No, they are. I mean, Wikipedia has it grayed out, so they're they're eliminated. So those are the three. Those are the four guys that are left over. Um, I think that Naito ends up winning this because Naito got hurt by Zack Saber Jr. <laughs> last Revenge. year, and also I think that Zack Saber Jr. ruined Naito's chances in like 2019. To get to the finals or something like that, I just feel like they have a, they have a ton of history, obviously. But Naito uh, getting and he talked all the shit last year. Was that in the G one or was that in the New Japan Cup? Oh, it was in the G one. Yes, sorry. Uh, and Saber Junior talked all sorts of shit. So I think is it Saber Junior versus Naito in the last night? Fuck. I mean, now we're talking. Let's get some G1 going, guys. This is why we watch it. Um, so, I like Naito. What do you think, Jason? I have to agree. Uh, to me, as much as I, I hate to have Gato in control of this, it just kind of makes sense. kind of pisses where- me off, though, that Kevin Kelly said when Naito lost his second match, he was like, that essentially eliminates Naito. It was like, I know that Kevin Kelly doesn't have the, the booking, but... Hey, you know, it's the G1. Uh, what do you think? Uh, sorry, I cut you off. No, the only reason I think he said it is, and, I'll, and I'll, for me, 
it's the first time we've had these four blocks. So we it's going to be that first time where somebody might make a late run like Naito is, like Shingo is in the D block where you start off slow and you do a late run. When you had the two blocks of 10, you can start off slow and then build up the momentum and then it makes sense. This is the first time we've had this, so it's going to be a little weird to see somebody like Shingo, Naito make this late run and, and hopefully take over the block. But, yeah, I got Naito. Who do you think's going to win, Zach? I am going to go with Zach Sabre because so far uh, my picks have been, even at the very beginning, were Okada, Jay White, Zach Sabre, and Will Ospreay. And they're all still alive. I'm just gonna there's no, nice. I would I would say there's no reason to go off uh, ZSJ at this point. ZSJ could tap out Naido and it would be not a surprise. By well, that's true. Uh, we can all agree that my C-block pick of evil was bad. Um I, I, you know, it's just the pe- that's just the pessimist in me, though. That's just the pessimist in me. I was like, it's gonna be evil. Um, I will say that House of Torture has not bothered me that much because ZSJ put him down today, and that 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 was very satisfying. That was very satisfying. I'm not, not going to disagree. I just, even though even though the ruse of having some guy. Come down and act like he's you. <laughs> Poor Fuji. And like, they were like, oh, he's wearing a hat. And I looked at that guy's legs. I was like, like that is not ZSJ. I was like, that guy don't have no thigh gap. I was like, that, that ain't ZSJ, man. I was like, I know that's not him. And then he peeks his head out. I was like, what kind of advantage is that? <laughs> Poor Vegeta just getting worked over. All right. And then we have the Island of Misfit Toys, which has probably been, <laughs> I, I mean, arguably the. Well, it, no. it has not been the most fun block. I, I, I have to say that I think that Juice Robinson's performance has been surprising in how bad it's been. been not, 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 not it, just in how little he's won. I think right. that he's doing a good job. Right. I think he's that just he's not being, being fun. I just, he is not being booked to win. Everybody is still alive, though. So we have Takahashi Yujiro sitting atop with... David Finlay, they're both they both have six. Uh, Shingo has four. Osprey has four. Yoshihashi has four. Juice Robinson has four. And ELP El Fantasmo has four. There is a way that I saw on the Chris yeah. Samza uh, on Twitter. There is a way that they all that they end up everybody tied with six, which would be. Worst case scenario. Well, that's more work than I would want to put in if I was booking this. I was oh, like, how sure. do I figure this out? So everybody comes up with six. I was like, that fucking sucks. Right. But that would, what would, what else would be the reason why Yujiro would have six points? Zach, what do you think? <laughs> um, yeah, Occam's Razor says that that is the only reason for him to have six points. <laughs> <laughs> He's right, though. I mean, he's right. Yujiro, in just the last couple days, has beat Yoshihashi and Juice. It, it, man, he sucks so bad. So what What do they do if they have a seven-way tie? Do they have a battle royal? No, it's it's like a play-in kind of tournament de- deal where, you know, you play you, you know. the, the You know this for a fact? Kevin Kelly has kind of been alluding to this a lot when it – you know, you see guys in uh, the D block and preview matches. You know, this could happen. This could happen. And he's been he's been hammering it home to the point where now 
at the end, I'm like, damn, this could actually happen. The way you're saying it is like, you know, you got two guys at six and like everybody, a lot of guys at four or two. So let's say that everybody ends up at six points. (sighs) Fuck that. Who wins the D block? It it still needs to be Will Ospreay. Who wins the D block, Zach? I'm still going with Will Ospreay. I have loved uh, David Finley in this. Um, It's been a really fun story. But, uh, yeah, we didn't get I to mean, talk to you about Finley Osprey. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, talk about upsets, right? <laughs> shut up. Dude, shut tell up. me. I, I, <laughs> can't even say Can't even say on the pod anymore. It's just a <laughs> verboten word. This week it is. Next week we can do it. Did you like, did you watch <laughs> Finlay versus Osprey? Yeah. Um, Fucking ruled, man. It's, it's it one of the great. matches of the tournament. Yeah. Um, I will go. Like Finn, Finn Juice, Finley Osprey, like uh, you know, like two out of three of his matches have been awesome. The fact that he threw the, I mean, the fuck. U.S. title back at uh, Will Osprey after the the match, I thought that's why I was like, okay, that's what I'm talking about, with David Finley. I, mean, I thought that Finley uh, ELP was really fucking good, even though I thought. This is like when Seth Rollins faced Drew McIntyre and, like, your eyes had to adjust so you could figure out which one was which because they both looked the exact same. <laughs> How drunk are you? No, I wasn't drunk at all. I was sober as fuck, man. I was answering <laughs> retirement questions. I was talking to people about fucking Social Security and 72 T's. I'm mm. just saying, I looked at them and I was like, they have the exact same body type, the exact same hair length, and the exact same uh, facial hair. Um, I'm going to go... Listen, I, I, I've been wrong the whole time, but just for the sake of argument, I will say that I'll take Shingo here. Um, thoughts on the tournament thus far before we keep going? Good, not great. Um, I think the last couple of nights will ramp this shit up, and then I'll, isn't I'll like what, to... Isn't, sorry, go ahead. No. Isn't that what we always say, though? Like, it's good, not great. It's like, it, it, me, it's a slog. No, but, it's... It, to me, good, not great is one of those things, and I guess I'll I'll coin that phrase because I heard uh, Tubier say this too. It, it's a it's a long tournament, but there's been a lot of great things that's come out of this tournament. There's been a little lows coming out of this tournament. It's not the best G one I've seen, but it's not, like you said, I'm not wasting my time. Uh, Zach, I think the biggest problem is we started this podcast during the absolute pinnacle of G1. And we had, like, three just over-the-top exemplary superlative years. And then we had, like, a really good year. And now, you know, we're, like, in, like, the pandemic era of G1. Yeah, we had a pandemic G1. It just ain't great, and we're still in that. Um, And, uh, you know, uh, but it's still one of the best things in all of wrestling, uh, even if it's not the absolute, uh, you know, crown jewel of what it was, you know, for the last few years before the pandemic started. So, uh, yeah, kind of good, not great. So the way that I think about it is, I I, I guess I'm kind of taking the Zach Pullman position here is where, like, I fucking love it. Like, I usually don't watch wrestling. I've told you guys I usually – cram all my wrestling in the one day or two days a week if there's a pay-per-view or something but when the g1 is up it's like okay and there were a couple days this week because of work shit 
that I couldn't watch it. So the last two days I've crammed, well, three days, I've crammed five nights of G1. And just the G1 matches. I'm not even watching the uh, the undercard, and I know that makes me a, a bad fan or whatever. But also the, a bad person. Yeah, a bad person. <laughs> but the other thing is, when I when I watched, part, partly. I mean, <laughs> I was like, okay, we just we I'm, kicked I'm, him. I'm almost there, Zach. I'm almost there. <laughs> we I kicked mean, him. I didn't say it in a, in a pejorative sense because I am a communist. So. <laughs> but when I watched those five nights in a row, and like today, I was like, when I start at work, I was like, my the beginning of my day starts really slow, gets really busy, and then dies down. Right. So I started at seven a.m. I get really busy around 8.30, and I was like, well, I can cram one night of G1. And I, But I watch every match. I've watched every match of this G1, which I, I can say that I've done for four of the five last G1s. The problem is when I started watching AEW Dynamite in the afternoon today, it felt like fucking whiplash. I was like, well, this is like carnival shit. Like, I felt like I was watching a real... Like, I went from watching the G1, which felt like a real competition, and I was only worried about who won and who lost. And then I started watching AEW Dynamite, and I was like, fuck. I was like, man, there's lots of promos. Say, what are all these promos doing? Like, <laughs> I was like, fuck. I, I'm, it's, it's just, you know, getting used to it. Like, it is, I mean, maybe, maybe you can only speak to this if you're a wrestling dork. Like we are. Okay. But it did. <laughs> I'll take it from there. But it did seem very different. I, I even said to Joey O'Farrell last week as we were texting back and forth, and he was like, ah, oh, SummerSlam ruled. And I was like, sorry, dude. And he, I, Thank you. And then he, and then he go, and then I go, uh, did I say that after watching G1, SummerSlam just sucked? I was like, what a hipster thing to say. But I stand by it. I was like, I stand by it. It it like listen. So, uh, this is not a SummerSlam conversation. I'm just trying to say that the G1 is something that's completely unique in professional wrestling, and really makes me happy. And even when a match sucks, I'm still happy. I'm watching it. You know what I mean? For sure. For sure. Um, G1 is my favorite time of the year. It's it's a good time to see matchups. I can't you don't wait th- for it next year. It's a good time to see matchups you don't necessarily see. Um, the only thing I can say about this in closing is I wish we just had the two blocks. Lawler versus anybody would have been interesting to me. Well, um, Ishii versus anybody is interesting they to me. They can still Okada, do that. You, They can, but this is the one time where you don't get to see. You see heel versus heel. Uh, ELP versus Juice was a match I didn't necessarily think I wanted to see. But when I saw it, I was like, okay, cool. In that scenario, that's why I like the G1. For sure. And there are only three nights left before we get to the finals or before we get to the semis and the finals. And we'll be Can't here, wait. guys. We will be here reporting on it because we are not podcasters. We're journalists. <laughs> This is banned from All right, some odds and ends. Uh, I know we talked about the Ric Flair thing, but Ric Flair passing out twice during that match and saying that he passed out and he woke up to Andrade saying, please, sir, please, sir, 
put on these brass knuckles, please, sir. That's exactly the moment that you and I were talking about last week, Jason. Uh, Zach, did you have a chance to watch this match? Unfortunately. Um, it, yeah. The worst part about it is that it was so bad that Ric Flair is going to want to do another match so that his last match isn't that bad. Sean Marcos. They said that Vince was going to die in the chair, but they were wrong. No, Ric, Ric Flair is going to die in the, the chair. ring. Yeah, yeah, whatever. He's going to die in the ring. God damn, dude. Hearing that, or well, I shouldn't say hearing that, but reading the fact that he was passed out from dehydration, it all makes sense. Oh, why is Ric point, Flair trying to cut weight? Dude. He's like, I wanted to go in. <laughs> it's like, a heavyweight like championship. <laughs> Sorry, Tubier, go ahead. Yeah, cirrhosis will do that, dude. Yeah, I can't believe that he just, like, had to get in under 220. Like, it would have mattered if he went in 225 or whatever. He wore a fucking shirt. Okay? At that point, nobody cares. I do appreciate that Andrade calls him sir. He should. I call my father-in-law sir. Okay. But I don't respect the shit. I don't respect <laughs> him sure, at all. I'm sure Andrade <laughs> always respect the shit out of Ric Flair. You can't put this fucking. I guarantee you, Andrade. I guarantee you, Andrade respects Ric Flair more than I respect my father. <laughs> no way. You can't put this. Come fight me, Roger. <laughs> but I say, here's the brass knuckles, Rick. You can't put it on your hand. You can't put it on your hand. No, let me put it on your hand. It was the worst. It was so bad as a Ric Flair fan. As the Ric Flair fan of this podcast, hard to watch. I have a dream. I like. I have a fantasy about uh, like my in laws getting in a huge fight over here, and like me giving brass knuckles to my father in law, and then Go me ahead, doing the you. then me doing the Eddie Guerrero and like falling down when the cops get there and be like, he hit me. I'm fucked up. <laughs> I'm I out. Think, uh, <laughs> I'm bleeding, boss. I'm bleeding. I know. Zach knows know what I'm talking about. That, yeah, I know Conrad's got that blue chew hookup, but I think the only way Ric Flair can get hard anymore is by like watching the wrestler by Darren Aronofsky. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's he's a like a blue chew. He only watches Bluetooth the Todd Berry scenes. No, he's like blue chew or a blue chip or whatever it is. He's got his own line, you know, Flair, you know, whatever it is. He's got his own shit. Don't don't be fucking with that. Like is that. hilarious. This is Band from uh, the last thing I wanted to say, and this is my final thought of the week. Uh, no, no, I have two thoughts. Uh, first of all, uh, the, the daddy magic guy in Jericho appreciates society. He's got to go. He's got to go. <laughs> he, he, like, I hate him so much. I like he. Is he's, he had his job? He, no, 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 no. He's like a guy that's pretending to be a professional wrestler. Like, that's the, that's the no. character that he is. He is terrible. And my other thing is that I think that Miro is in a shoot. Like, that's how much I love Miro. Like, him and Daddy Magic are, like, the on the opposite spectrums of, like, how much I hate a wrestler and how much I love a wrestler. When they had What's-Her-Face come on and Julia touch Hart. and she touches Miro and tries to get her, and he goes, only one woman's allowed to touch me. <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable. I don't know if you guys already talked about that. No, we that, didn't. That was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Miro it was good. shit. It was good. It was good. Uh, so, uh, your last thoughts of the week, Jason? 
Um, just on Miro, on Aleister Black or Malachi Black, I would love to see them in some form or fashion step up or Tony Khan getting them to the the top of the card. Guys, I guess this is my closing thought. AEW has done a, an amazing job with getting guys there and doing, you know, great fucking angles, matches, blah, blah, blah. Triple H coming back is going to make things a little difficult. When you have Malachi Black and Miro liking comments on Twitter about how they were booked better in WWE, that to me is a is a signal of what could be coming up on the, the forefront. I'll leave it at that. Uh, Zach, any final thoughts of the week? Uh, my final thought is that I desperately need someone – Whoever Jericho's next challenger is to just be like, I don't want the champion. I don't want the Lionheart. I want Y2J. Jesus Christ. That's like the whole Y2J gimmick <laughs> for like this view. Man, that that would be fucking sweet. If I say what we're, we're going to like the three three thousand? And then it's like Vince is all elite. <laughs> Uh, the wife just texted me Uh, she's not on her way home apparently she's sitting up at her work having drinks Uh, she said what was the name of that black wrestler from the 80s (laughs) (laughs) what would your answer be Um, black wrestler from the 80s Junkyard Dark Junkyard Dark I said Coco Beware either or No, no, no. Whoever she's talking to is not talking about Ron Simmons. Yeah, I was going to say, let's dumb it down. <laughs> say, they ain't talking about Ron Simmons. All right, we got some birthdays this week. Uh, Hulk Hogan shares my wife's birthday. She, uh, He is 69. Terry Taylor is 67. Spike Dudley is 52. Uh, Bob Backlund, 73. Kofi Kingston, uh, another black wrestler from the 80s, is 41. <laughs> How long has he been wrestling? How long has he been wrestling? He's, he's not from the 80s. He's not from the 80s. No, he's not from Haiti. I didn't I didn't say he was from Haiti. He's, he's from Ghana. He's not from Haiti. He's not from the 80s. <laughs> God damn it. He's from Ghana. He's from the 80s. 1981. Uh, Gargano. Johnny Gargano is 35. Big Cass. What was his name? It's William... Help me. Morrissey. William Morrissey. He's yes. only 35, too. Cedric Alexander is only 33. What? Yeah. Uh, Paige is 30. Like Paige. Like Paige yeah, that Paige. You know, we're doing That's things her. with it. Man, she was so young. Yeah, she was really young when she started. Like, really, like 21, 22. Yeah. Hey, uh, we know there's a ton of podcasts for you guys to listen to, so we appreciate you guys listening to ours. For Murray the Murray Man, Murray Jack. for Lucha Chris, for Jack. Patriot Pat. Jack. For, did I forget you last week? I'm going to say it this week real fast. For yep. Jason Cornelius Bell. I mean, my boy. My boy, <laughs> my Jason <neck> Cornelius <laughs> Bell. Uh, for Two Beers, Zach Pullman. Welcome for back, Vice. Check. I am Bill Vagan. Never, ever forget to boo the heels. Bitch.